Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, and today I'm with my man, Luke Hoffman from The Muscle Mentors. Um, firstly, happy International Cat Day, Luke. Oh, I know. We couldn't have recorded on a better day. I know. 8th of August, guys. So if this is really, really delayed, then um, I've got to keep myself accountable now. <laughs> but as <laughs> yet, he is from The Muscle Mentors, and I met... Luke through my husband Joe because I know like they work together quite a lot and I think the first time we officially met was at the Compaq event and I guess like since then we've always stayed in touch and he's been a massive sounding board and I guess a great help for myself um this year in particular with my off season so yeah there's loads of like different topics we're going to be talking about and I guess the three main topics that I've noted down is sleep training and stress but I do see Luke and he, he might agree. I might. I see Luke very much as like the training mechanics like book. If I ever have any questions, <laughs> I just go to him. So welcome, Luke, to the podcast. Um, I know you're super busy. I know you're going on holiday tomorrow. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, if That's you want to, I guess, give an introduction to yourself. Um, have you competed before? Um, what's muscle mentors? And yeah, we'll kind of just like kick it off from there. Well, firstly, thank you for the uh, for inviting me on. I'm never too busy for you, Jazz. So, <laughs> um, uh, but no, re- like really honoured to be here. So, thank you. Um, and um, no, so the muscle mentors, like, well, firstly, have I competed? I have not competed. I was I was going to compete for the first time this this year, and then with all the stuff that's going on business wise and my business partner Callum Raystrip competing, I was like, yeah, probably doesn't make sense for both of us to be competing around time where we've got a lot of seminars on so I've delayed mine till next year but I've always been of the mindset that I want to compete when I can actually compete and I know your husband Joe's the same shout out to Joe biggest legend go um the uh but he's the same of like he wants to compete to compete not just to show up on stage and be like yeah I've, I've been on stage like so so I've been kind of biding my time and just building a physique over the years and I'll display it when I feel it's ready, which is, which is cool. I, I drop the old picture every now and then and people are like, oh, yeah, you should compete. I'm like, oh, I'll do it when I'm ready. Um, but the, uh, but no, the, the Muscle Mentors is um, basically a, well, it's a business that Callum Raystrick and I founded and we, with physique coaches, it started off as a podcast basically and then it kind of evolved into a joint coaching venture and then from there, we then expanded to doing seminars and educational uh, stuff and we bought on James Sutton to help with that because we, we do a lot of stuff in exercise mechanics and um, James is James is great in that field. So me and James kind of spearhead that side of things. Um, and then like for like the theory seminars that we do, which is a lot of like stress management and sleep and digestion and the coaching practice itself, like that's where like, you know, meet like Cal is like comes into his own he's unreal at that um and anyone who's worked with cows like you, you know that he's he's an exceptional coach in the way he thinks about stuff and so like we we all kind of contribute to all this front but we all have our strengths within the the educational side um and then and then yeah we've got ryan working for us as well so we're all physique coaches like i said so we're basically dealing with body composition um but a lot of it's, you know, now, you know, it's, you know, people assume we're dealing with a lot of solely physique competitors and athletes. And I think most of our client base, and it's probably true for Cal as well, is general population as well. So people that are just looking to take their physiques to the next level. Um, and 
you know, and that's where we kind of, we're different to a lot of others and that we look into like things you mentioned, like sleep and stress management and digestion and, you know, all these different areas that kind of combine and have a cumulative effect of, of kind of optimizing physique development and taking it to a, a slightly greater, yeah, you know, a different level than, than what, you, what you'd normally see by just considering things like just training and diet. Um, so we, that's basically it. We, we've just kind of come up with our approach over the years of coaching, um, and figured out ways to get better results. And we keep doing that whilst we teach people how to do it as well. That's basically how we do it. I love it. Cause it's actually really interesting. When I first, I guess, started competing and looked into competing, you'd only ever hear about your training and your um, nutrition. You wouldn't actually hear a lot of discussion around the other things you mentioned. So uh, stress, central nervous system, sleep. And now everyone's kind of on that. So I think it's quite cool to see, I guess, in the competing industry that people are starting to take a bit more, I guess, aware. Well, there's more awareness into the other areas and how much it can affect your physique and also, like, I guess, your health as well. No, I think it is good that that awareness is coming into it a bit more slowly because I've noticed, it, I don't know, I thought I, I thought I noticed it more in prep, but I feel like I, I noticed it as well in my off season that I can tell, like physique wise, I can tell when my body is stressed now and when I haven't had a good sleep and mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. And it actually is really, really interesting, like the role that all that can play. So I think we should probably go straight into stress i think that might be quite a cool one to present yeah. about um, i know you have quite a lot of interesting methods of how you measure like your central nervous system so i don't know whether you can maybe start with it sounds like what the net central nervous system is and how i guess that can affect a physique competitor in various different ways and avenues hmm. yeah well i think that's yeah, it's a big one. And I, I said it, I was on the, the Fitness Unfiltered podcast the other day and I spoke about kind of, they were asking about the different methods we we incorporate into our co- into our coaching practice. And, and I was saying how, you know, it's a lot of it's directed at, you know, they're all lifestyle techniques and things like that. Well, a lot of them that are directed at kind of making sure that the nervous system is functioning optimally. And the idea there being the nervous system is literally be in charge of everything so people people don't necessarily realize but like everything we do is governed by the nervous system like we're trying to contract muscles that's that's the role of the nervous system it's not something that the muscles just do by themselves we're trying to get pretty damn good sleep that's the nervous system we're trying to digest food that's the nervous system we're trying to respond to pathogenic infection through the immune system that's the nervous system but it's all it all comes back to the nervous system and you can break the nervous system down into like different parts so there's the central nervous system which is like the brain and the spinal cord um which is like heavily protected so you've got like the skull the vertebral column the blood brain barriers things like that the peripheral nervous system which is everything outside of that so that's composed of all the nerves nervous tissue like the ganglia, you'd call it, which are basically bundles of nerves. Um, yeah, it's like they're all the bundles of nerves that are located outside the brain and the spinal cord. Um, uh, and then that itself is then split into like the somatic and autonomic branches, which is where you get into the stuff that you hear people talking about with the autonomic nervous system. So the somatic nervous system is is the 
the part of the nervous system that controls voluntary skeletal muscle action. So when we're contracting muscles, that's what we're dealing with there. And then the autonomic nervous system is subdivided into three parts. And you only often hear people speak about two, which is the parasympathetic and the sympathetic branch. Parasympathetic is like the, the rest and digest branch. Sympathetic is the um, like fight or flight, which is kind of the stress. You know, if you were to kind of be very simplified, like oversimplified, like the sympathetic branch would be the side of the autonomic nervous system that would be very active when we're in a stress state, the parasympathetic when we're not. So in, you know, we're in a kind of a chilled out state. And then there's the third branch, which is the enteric nervous system, which is the, the nervous system that governs the gut, um, which is where the gut is referred to as like the second brain, because you can like sever the connection between the gut and the, and the human body and it can still function on its own, which is pretty cool. Um, That's weird. Yeah. yeah, but the, uh, but like, it's the thing of like the nervous system itself, it's, it's governing digestion. And like, this is the autonomic nervous system, digestion, gastrointestinal blood flow. So blood flow to the nervous system, peripheral blood flow, blood, blood pressure, gastrointestinal secretions, motility, heart rate, dilation and, and constriction of pupils so when we like that's just responding to light respiratory rate sexual function and arousal so people that have like kind of a messed up sex drive potentially could be a nervous system issue you know it's um yeah it's um it's big and then, but this is why we consider it because it's in you know it's it's it's, it's at the tip top tip top of kind of everything that's going on in the body um and um you know there's like you said like you can when you go into it it gets really complicated but when you're looking to kind of get the most out of training get the most out of you know you're trying to build as much muscle as you can trying to you know if you're in a contest prep and you're trying to present an incredibly good physique you've got to basically make sure that everything's functioning well because your ability to recover everything like that is going to be ultimately predicated on how well your nervous system is functioning, how well you're able to flip between those sympathetic and parasympathetic branches. Because when you look at things like digestion, sleep, which we're all going to, you know, if we're trying to take in as much nutrients as possible, facilitate recovery and get as much hypertrophy as possible, you want the digestive tract functioning really well. And if you're constantly stressed as fuck, which is what we get these days where people are on prep and they're stressed at work, sacrificing sleep they're training really hard they're loading up on caffeine throughout the day and then they're trying to get the most optimal response to all the stuff they're doing in the gym and their body's never really getting into that parasympathetic state where you can run digestion and things like that because digestion is an entirely parasympathetic dominant activity so you have it's like there's no part of digestion that's run by the sympathetic state side of the nervous system so when people are like eating their meals in a rush or like personal trainers are out there like nailing a, a massive Tupperware of food down in five minutes before a client are they doing the best thing possible to to get as much from that meal as possible probably not um so yeah that's um kind of i think call that an introduction to the nervous system why yeah. you'd want to consider it it's quite a lot it's quite a lot. My brain's a little bit blown. Um, but I'm trying to say it's parasympathetic. I can't even say the word. I'm trying to stay chilled as possible. Um, <laughs> when you were talking, there's so many things. The next kind of topic that I wrote down was impact of stress and weight loss and muscle gain. And you hear this a lot 
I guess when you're in um, a, a contest prep situation, people say, just get a good night's sleep. People say, just chill out. <laughs> yeah. um, all these little things that can make such a difference. And do you think, like, I see this quite a lot, and this is something that happened to myself this year. I tried to diet this year, and as we know, uh, that was an absolute disaster. Body was not responding. Didn't matter what the hell you put to me. No but like my body just was not responding. Um, and I remember I was speaking to yourself, like it was, it, I wasn't, I, I, it could have been the central nervous system, but is, can stuff like that be a result of your central nervous system and stress really like playing havoc with yourself? Like I see this a lot with girls that are trying to prep again. Um, sometimes their body don't respond as well, but they potentially put more stress and more pressure on themselves. Like do all these things kind of, play in at all anything i've just said yeah for sure um like the, the sleep thing alone is crazy um but we can get to that in a second but the, the stress like stress physiology is a big it and if there's any any people that want to dig into it like the, um i mean we we talk about it on our courses and we're doing one in october hint 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 but the um, <laughs> they were also there's the guy the guys over at muscle nerds speak about this a lot they they do some really good courses whenever they're in the UK if there are coaches that want to do some pretty insane courses listen to go along to those and listen to Luke Lehman talking about stress physiology because it's insane um, his like biochemistry knowledge is out of this world but but it comes down to it like there's you know people it's really common these days for people to just simplify everything to calories in calories out. You know, oh, you're on a you're on a prep. Doesn't matter about all the stress and the sleep. Ultimately, you know, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to get in shape. But we see it all the time that it doesn't always play out that way. People are like, oh, but I'm doing what I did last time in terms of food, but it's just not working. And but what's changed? Oh, I'm really stressed with work and relationship, and and I'm not enjoying training as much. Okay, that's interesting. So there are some things that have changed, irrespective of what's going in and out of your body. And um, does seem to be having an influence and it comes down to i won't we won't go into the like too far into the science of it but like the the cocktail of of hormones that's released by the adrenals during like heightened sympathetic activity and especially during chronic exposure so when people are chronically stressed things like that chronic levels of you know elevated cortisol noradrenaline adrenaline or norepinephrine and epinephrine and things like that will have a negative effect on your ability to retain and synthesize skeletal muscle uh, skeletal muscle tissue we know that they're, but they're all inherently catabolic they're also going to affect sleep if they're well elevated around the clock like we know that things like cortisol functional circadian rhythm so cortisol is like people call it a stress hormone it's technically an anti-stress hormone it's the guy that gets released in response to stress to try and bring everything back down because it's there to like cortisol's job is to live is to liberate um stored energy so you can respond to the stress that you know basically yeah it's like your body's like people always go oh cortisol's a stress hormone but it's basically your body's going oh shit i'm stressed i'm going to use cortisol because cortisol is going to mean that i can liberate a load of like stored glucose protein like amino acids triglycerides into my blood so that my body has energy to respond to all this stuff and and i can get away from whatever's causing this stress and that and then that's that that's that sympathetic response. Um, so it's a good thing, but when it's chronically elevated, it's not a good thing. Um, and um, like, so 
you know, and they all have, you know, it, it's, it's, they've all been shown to have negative effects on like things like insulin sensitivity. Like that's not obviously going to, we know that that isn't, you know, insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity isn't the, the driver of, you know, isn't going to influence fat loss to any significant degree, but it's still not a healthy thing to, to be dealing with if you're, you know, like not responsive to insulin and things like that. Um, it's going to make it harder to retain tissue because insulin is one of the most anabolic hormones in the body. Um, so all this stuff on prep, not particularly a good idea. Um, and you look at sleep, like they've, they've done studies where, and I, I spoke about this on the Fitness on Films podcast, I'm going to try and, actually I've got the, let me try and find the study because it's a pretty sweet study. Because it affects, um, as we talk about prep as well, but it also affects, if I'm correct, um, like your ability, I get, as you've mentioned kind of a little bit, it's your ability to actually like gain muscle and hold on to muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if you're off season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, so here we go. So sleep. So they did a study, and this I I actually put this in our slides, and I put the title of this slide is an interesting curveball to the calories in calories out crowd. So the quote is: sleep curtailment decreased the fraction of weight lost as as in this study they did. So sleep curtailment decreased the fraction of weight lost as fat by fifty five percent and increased the loss of fat free body mass by sixty percent. This was accompanied by markers of enhanced neuroendocrine adaptation to caloric restriction, increased hunger, and a shift in relative substrate utilization towards the oxidation of less fat. So basically, in this study, which is a pretty well-done study, like it's not it's not definitive by any means. There's problems with it, and I go through that in the in the in the seminar. But there's they, they basically all they did was restricted this group of of participants to less than six hours of sleep, and they lost fifty five percent less fat and 60% more fat-free mass, which could, is not strictly muscle, but people that are on prep, and they're like, oh, I've got to do cardio sweet, I'm going to sacrifice my sleep. And they're trying to retain as much tissue and lose as much fat as possible, they're probably not setting them up themselves up in the best way possible to do that. Um, and then they, there's other studies where they've shown the same thing. So they showed that um, we tested a spontaneous change in sleep duration um, from less than six hours to seven to eight hours a day, and they saw that shifting sleep duration from a short to a healthy amount of time is associated with an attenuated gain in fat mass. So they gain less fat if they did that, which is interesting. Um, and uh, they said an increase in one hour in sleep duration was associated with, associated with a decrease of 0.7 kilos in fat mass. Um, which is So people that aren't sleeping as much as they could are not setting themselves up. But it kind of like, on this, on this, like the the biochemistry side of things like why these hormones are an issue because it comes down to and this is where you know it's potentially more of an issue in women i i can't say that with any certainty but you know women have you know on average like one tenth to one thirtieth the testosterone levels of men um and men will have similarly low levels of the other you know estrogen progesterone and things like that but they you know testosterone obviously is a reasonably anabolic guy if we, if we, we you know if we're looking to kind of maximize the amount of tissue we can retain it might not be a bad idea for for us to do everything we can we can to get high levels of that when we're really stressed like there's different different people you may have heard i don't know who you've had on in terms of if you've ever had someone go into like complex biochemistry or mention anything called the um the pregnenolone steel 
Anyone ever mentioned that? You're the first guy to ever, well, first person. <laughs> 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 yeah. So people, the people who've spoken that, like, will you? There may be people listening that have heard of that, but basically, pregnenolone is like the mother hormone in the body that all other sex hormones are synthesized from. So testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, everything like that. But it can also be. It is also the 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 building block for stress hormones. And there's a theory that was thrown about with it. If, if you look at the pathways in the body, the stress hormones are kind of on one side and the sex hormones on the other. And they were like, okay, sweet. So if someone's really stressed, it seems like the body's going to prioritize stress hormone production over sex hormones. And that's why you get people with issues with their cycle and losing muscle mass and stuff when they're really stressed because they're not synthesizing enough. That's not actually the case because it's basically found that there's different sit like segments to the adrenal glands in the ovaries, which are the guys that produce this stuff. Um, and it's not that simple that it, that it simply gets stolen. But what does happen is certain points do get upregulated. So it is, does seemingly be the, seem to be the case that when people are really stressed out, the parts of their ovaries and adrenals that are more inclined to produce stress hormones as opposed to sex hormones are more active. So there's, when people are chronically stressed, there's, there's the potential that they're going to be making less testosterone, making less estrogen, things like that, because obviously estrogen is going to be kind of converted over from testosterone mainly anyway. Um, so people on PrEP, again, they're, if they're dealing with a lot, you know, if their allostatic load is very high, an allostatic load is simply like your total body stress, like all the stresses that you're dealing with in your life at any one time. If that's all very high, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, it's going to put more pressure on that sort of thing. So this is where like doing everything you can to manage stress, man, you know, give the nervous system as much of a boost as you can, make sure you're getting good sleep, things like that will help you when it comes to A, being healthier and B, presenting a really, really good physique on stage mm. and, make it, and, yeah, and making the process of prep less stressful. Yeah. So, it, yeah, because it is that, Stress is always going to be there, but it's like I've found this a lot, and we've had conversations about me wanting to diet and just kind of come to the realization that right now in my life there's just too much stress going on, and I I, I have I've really struggled this just this I've really struggled with this this year because everyone's been asking me, oh when it's competing when it's competing in my head I'm like. I have way, I just know from just this small little like example of me trying to diet and how poorly my body responded right now. Like I'm, people think they can just kind of do a week or oh, I'm just going to like chat for a week and that is it. But how long, I guess like how long does it take? I don't know. That's a, actually you can't answer that, but I guess, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it takes a long time like to manage your sleep, manage your, like your stress and just all those other factors. Like how long do you think potentially that can take for some people like in your own experience, potentially like maybe? It's essentially going to be down to how well, I mean, that's the thing of like this sort of stuff. If I'm working with someone, and I don't, as you will probably talk about, I don't actually prep females, but if I'm working with males and they're going into a contest prep or even a photo shoot prep, I'll, I'll say before we even consider that, I want to get all this stuff in place. And you basically, with the idea of it just making it a habit, making it just subconscious, they don't have to think about it. They, they get, you know, they start working on a, on a, um, 
you know, a decent pre-sleep routine. They get things in place to make sure that pretty much every night they're setting themselves up for good sleep. They're doing stuff throughout the day to kind of get daylight exposure, you know, give, give themselves time to, to eat meals slowly, chill out during the day, schedule in time to actually switch off in the evenings, things like that that are all going to promote it and then they all become habits. Then when you go into a contest prep and those things are all in place, boom. And, and in terms of how long that takes, that is down to the individual. But if they kind of nail it, it, it you know, I think there's, there's a statistic what it takes like, I think they said it takes like 17 days to, to make something a habit. Make, so, so I think to form a new habit, I think that's, that's like an average, but I think that's something that's relatively recent. But it, obviously that's something you've got to do. Um, it might be 17 it's either it might even be 14 so either 14 15 or 17 but the um, <laughs> it's somewhere in that range it basically it doesn't take long to to, to kind of um, you know establish something as a, as a new habit and that's what's going to get you through this stuff because if people are kind of halfway through a prep and they're like oh god I've just listened to this podcast where this guy's talking about sleeping and now I've got to start doing all this stuff to, to get my sleeping in the same place, that's going to be really hard because you're already potentially in a hole. So do it before. Work with someone who knows this stuff, you know, um, and and get this stuff in place and then go into a prep and you'll probably find it's easier. And it from people we work with, it generally does seem to be easier when you get this stuff in place. Right? Things are less stressful. And whether it's, it might not be that the actual process is less stressful on your body, but you're able to perceive it as less of a stress because you're actually managing everything else around it much better. Yeah. So someone like yourself then who is extremely busy, you run a business, um, yeah, you coach clients and yeah, you do a lot of stuff. What sort of, I always say this to people like they've got to find, and I'm fine with this, you've got to find your own formula for how you want to do things. Um, So for me, like, I can imagine stress for yourself is chilling with your cats. I hear cats screaming, shouting all the time in my garden. That stresses me the hell out. Yeah. Um, so what sort of things do you, I guess, do you do personally that helps you de-stress like on a day-to-day basis? What sort of things do you do which you find help you, um, I guess, like chill out before you go to bed? Like I know you like going to see the opera, if I remember, I've seen a lot of Instagram stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's it, and that's something that I personally wouldn't like think. Oh, that's the, that's what I'm gonna do. But for me, it's my art. So, like, what I guess if you had to say what your individual formula is for sleep and stress for yourself, what what do you think it is? What sort of formula do you think you've formed over the years? That's a, that's a very good question. I like that. Um, and then and there's going to be people that are like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to do what Luke says. And like, well, actually, that's just for me. But um, the um, but no, like, so I think the biggest one, and this is actually in terms of like, how do I de-stress in general? This is some quite good advice that I originally was turned on to by, by Luke Lehman, who was the guy who runs Muscle Nerds, who is the fucking man. He's actually someone you should try and get on the podcast. He's he's fascinating. Um, we've got to try and get him on ours. Actually, I don't know why we haven't yet. Um, but he's um, he well, he said he wants to come on, but he, he's he's just the funniest guy. He's like the, this, you know, he's a Texan. Um, but you you kind of you'd, you'd see him, and he he walk he walks into his seminars wearing like tat- he's got you know tattooed all over his arms and stuff, and yeah. and I think his legs. 
he's got like plugs and he's just like he'll be wearing like a snapback some shorts and like a really rough like scruffy t-shirt and then he just starts you know just starts the seminar and he'll just start going into the most complex shit with regards to biochemistry and you're like this guy really <laughs> he just doesn't look at it he's a he's an absolute legend but anyway i digress he um he he, he, he um uh spoke about um this stuff where it's like where there's different kinds of stresses in our lives so we have like you know stresses that we can it, where it's basically about how we perceive our stresses but there's stresses that we if they're you know we can remove them or we can change our perception of them and it's like yeah, he gave the example when he spoke about it of you have a shit car, cars, you know, if you've got a car that's always breaking down and stuff like that, that's stressing you out. You can get a new car, you can get rid of that car, you can do that. If you've got like, uh, you know, and this is the case with a lot, I've had to say this with clients because I've had a client who had had a baby boy and he was like two years, this kid was two years old and he was really stressing him out. And I was like, dude, like you've got to, and he was like, I'm just so stressed with my son and stuff like that. And I was like, you've got to change your perception of this because you can't get rid of your son. I was like, you can't, that's not a stress that you can get rid of. Yeah. You've got to find a way to change your perception of that stress. And that's what, that's the one that I'd say is, is the most valuable thing. Um, Cause there's a lot of stresses in our lives that we can't change. And there's some that people don't think they can. So they'll be in a job that they hate and they're like, Oh, I fucking hate my job. And, you can be like, oh, you can try and change your perception of your job, but you can also, if you're in a situation where you just change your job, change your job, because that's probably going to be a huge stress reduction. Um, but with me, it's like, you know, I have things like with my business, with training, with clients, stuff like that, that stress me out, but I can't change. I can't, I can't like just remove them. So unless I just go, oh, I'm going to ax you as a client, you're pissing me off, see you later. Or I'm going to, you know, change something in the business, but I can't do that. So I've got to find ways to change my perception of it. Um, and one of the, that's what I get clients to. So I'll basically write down something that's stressing me out and I'll physically write it down. Um, and I'll be like, this is stressing me out. Whether it's, you know, you know, my business partner's prepping at the moment and he's, and he's not doing as much as he should on the business. <laughs> and it's stressing me out. And then I, and then I'll, and then I'll, um, and I'll be like, no, but you know, I'll, you know, I love I love Cal, and I've I knew this was going to be a, a part of the part of the deal when he went into a prep. That's not a problem, and that's a way of changing my perception of it. And then I also know it's a temporary thing. So and there's ways. You know, yeah, that's the thing, and it's um and it's just reframing your view of that stress. And I think that alone is like one of the best things people can do. Like if you're if you're presented with a stressful scenario, write it down, and then fi- write following that a way of changing your perception of it to a more positive light, finding a way to problem solve it or just accept it for what it is and move on. Um, I always like saying the word, but yeah, that's like one of the times when it's a useful thing to say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But this is great, but this isn't too bad, but at least I know now, like I always try and say, but the two, I guess the two questions that I always say, or two things I say is either, but, or I say yeah. how constantly, yeah. how, how do I change this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Like, this is, I guess this is a problem. How do I change it? Just constantly say how or but. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what I found. It's been quite helpful. Yeah. Um, like so Joe's yeah. a pain in the ass, but we love him. Here, <laughs> <laughs> here, you said it, not me. He's the dog pain. He's, he's probably the most chilled out guy I've ever met in my life, to be honest. He is a real life sloth. Like, yeah. No. yeah. 
Um, so that's one thing. So and then like my my daily routine. So I'll basically set, and this is another thing people aren't good enough at doing. Set the time in the day that you finish work. Like people, if you're self-employed, people don't do this. They kind of like, you know, a you never take a holiday, which is hard to do. Even I find that hard to do. Like I'm going on holiday tomorrow, and I'm technically still working. I'm going to have days in there where I'm like, I'm not going to work, but it's harder not to. Yeah. Um, but like times in the day, like when for me, I basically work until, because I still live at home, it's mama's boy. Um, I'll, um, I'll basically, we, we always have family dinner at like 7, 7.30, depending on the time. Whenever that is, that's when I stop working. So I have dinner with mum and dad, and then that's me done until the next day. And I think that's what people and, and there's the very rare occasion where I have to work past that but that will only be an extreme situation but people again if there's people out there that are struggling with switching off things like that set yourself you know a time put it in your diary like eight o'clock seven o'clock eight o'clock every evening done that's when I'm out and give yourself at least 60 minutes in the evening where you can chill out um, and be with your loved one be with your family whatever it is and do something that isn't work related because that's huge. Because it's the thing of like, you can get fancy with loads of like, oh, this this technique is really good for raising your HRV and like meditating is really good and stuff, which meditating is. And that, but people can get held up on trying to in, you know put certain things in where it's like, sometimes you just need to take certain things out in the sense of give yourself some time to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and people don't do enough of it. Um, and like having a hobby as well. So like, I'll, I've, I always make sure, so two, Two hobbies, well, three hobbies for me are films and TV shows. I like watching those, and that's usually what I do in the evening. <laughs> um, favorite one. Uh, but, say again. Favorite one at the moment you're watching. We just watched season three of Stranger Things, and that was bloody good, actually. Um, yeah, very good. But um, but like playing piano, I've just started playing that again. I used to play that when I was younger. I've just taken that up again, and um, playing tennis is something I used to do to a pretty high level like internationally and I stopped because before I was into bodybuilding because I um I kind of fell out of love with tennis um no like I got a few niggles but I just fell out of love with it I pushed it too hard for too many years and I just decided to stop and it took me seven years to pick up a racket again and and when I did it was awesome but that's another thing that Luke Lehman and Muscle Nose did he went around at the first seminar I ever went to and he was like asked every person in the room what their hobby was and people like it was i think 80 percent of the room because they were all coaches were like training training's my hobby like lifting weights you know stuff like that and he was like he went around and there was like the odd one where it was like there was a musical instrument or there was something unrelated to work and he was like everyone should have a hobby that is not related to their work because if you're a coach your hobby and your hobby is training you're not really switching off because that's what your job is um yeah it's enjoyable and it can still be enjoyable but try and have something that takes your mind off it, like you with your art. Um, Joe with his, uh, was it RuneScape? <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. Um, but, like, but, but, things, but things like that where, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you people need something that is unrelated to the work they're doing. And that is honestly one of the best things people can do. If, if you're sitting listening to this, you're like, shit, I don't have a hobby. Or I thought my hobby was training. Like, find something else so find something that's completely unrelated um try and if you can make it something active um but you know like watching films tv tv shows that's a hobby i enjoy it like 
Yeah. The, um, but it can, that's again, it's, it's about kind of taking your mind somewhere else. It's one of the and best I, things you can do. And I hate to, like, to kind of throw it in there, but that's what you've kind of just said is why I called the podcast not just Bikini Girl because yeah. I think it's so important. Like, just I actually was, I was playing when I first started this podcast, I played between calling it not just Bodybuilder or not just Bikini Girl. Um, but I do think, and I found this, it's really, you, I think you do need something outside of the industry. Um, and I think I've, I've, I think, I guess I've noticed the shift myself because when I first started competing, I was still doing marketing and doing other things. Um, and I, I completely get where you come from. You have to have something outside. Yeah. And I think for me, and we've had discussions about this, like my training has really suffered this year, I think, because for me it started to turn it felt more like work yeah um and i just couldn't switch off because it was just mm. it was just related to everything else that i was doing um mm. so no i like that i like that mm. so sounds really silly if i like played you at table tennis would you be just as good as like the racket yeah we i did used to play table tennis like i didn't compete with table tennis but i, I was i was pretty good at table tennis <laughs> That's like, I thought I can't play. Maybe I got I can get you a table tennis, but no. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we've got a table tennis table here, so when you come down with Joe, game on. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that game face on, game face on. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to talk about now. Oh, let's, I think let's move on to training. We've briefly mentioned it there, but I think it's like for me, it's like you are the training mechanic. That's kind of the way I call. Like that's what I call you people these days. Um, <laughs> but even like that one session when you came down to see us, that one session you had with me and Joe, yeah. I just came away like, oh my God, this guy knows so much. And it's like, this isn't anything to do yourself, but I kind of was like, whoa, like I thought I kind of knew half what, how to train. And I kind of, I felt like I had to go back to square one and really think about what I was doing. Um, yeah. But in like, I hope that came out as like in a positive way, but it really made me, I guess, reflect. Um, and when I was training with other people after that, like whoa this is way too complicated and I was like oh like how do I kind of I guess trans pass this on all the knowledge that you were teaching me like how do I pass this knowledge on without like overwhelming someone so I guess the question that I kind of want for you is oh sorry the question I want to ask you is where do you, there's a lot of information about training and yeah. how to train what to do eccentric tempo and where where do you start with that like where like what's the most important thing that you need to focus on um whether you're a first timer or whether you've been training for a while um because i felt this quite a lot recently it's like do i like am i doing enough like do i need to take things to the next level am i training like a, a competitor does that make sense at all um, yeah. okay good because sometimes i like i just come out of whatever's in my head and i hope that it's like it sticks <laughs> that was a far example so yeah like how do you how like what's the most important thing like overall people talk about eccentrics people talk about tempo um but if you got to really go down to the core like what's the most in your opinion what's the most important thing that you like must nail control probably interesting um right in the sense of like that like we spoke about like the people look at you know training that they're stimulating their muscles and they're like i'm doing my, i'm training my muscles you're you know whether you're training for hypertrophy strength whatever it is you're training your neuromuscular system with like the neuromuscular system so not just the muscular system 
the nervous system okay. that controls it. So, and if you're not ever in control of what you're doing, I think that's probably um, quite a problem. But I think if, regardless of the guy, I think you should always be in control of what you're doing because ultimately, if you're not in control and the neuromuscular system isn't governing what you're doing, then you're, and that, if like, and I speak about things like inertia and things. I use a lot of big words when I people read my stories and they're like, what the fuck's this guy talking about? I did a post earlier on inertia. Or like someone shared something and I was like, oh, inertia is having a whale of a time there. So inertia would be like an example of an, like an invisible force you're dealing with. It's not technically a force, but if someone's moving away with loads of speed, there's a thing called inertia, which is resistance to change, basically. So that, and that's the one of Newton's laws. Like if something's moving through, uh, like uh, I've forgotten what the actual law is, but basically, if 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 a, a mass is moving in one direction, it doesn't really want to change direction. So if you if you move on a let's say a dumbbell lateral raise, or a better an easy one for people to consider is a bench press, mm-hmm. um, and they're like lowering a weight really quickly, and without a lot of control. Um, that weight wants to keep going down towards the floor. And if you've got like 60 kilos on the bar, the acceleration due to gravity and everything like that might mean that you're actually dealing with like 80 kilos at the bottom because you've kind of accelerated and haven't had as much control. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so you've therefore got to come up with quite a lot of force to stop that, more than you'd probably have to come up with if you went slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you have the capacity for that weight to pull you into a position of the joint that the joint isn't particularly happy to go into or the muscle is either you don't have a lot of control in that range. And this is where like we have things called active, um, active and passive ranges and active range, which, which people talk about like full range of motion. So like full range of motion for the bench presses, you have to touch the bar to your chest, which is just an arbitrary rule that people have made up. There's no reason why we have to do that. That's, that's something that, a bunch of like coaches and sports performance people made up because they're doing, you know, they've got to find a way to regulate the bench press when they have it in powerlifting meets and things about, like, okay, we've got to get everyone to touch their chest because then we know that it's all the same. Mm-hmm. But people have taken that and applied it to everything. It's not, that's not relevant to every individual because everyone's going to have different mechanics, different rib cage depths, different lengths of their bones in their arms that mean that, for some people, they can touch the bar to their chest easily. For some people, if they do, it causes loads of irritation in their shoulder and everything like that. Um, but it's the thing of like, if you've got, you know, uh, someone not using a lot of control on the bench press, and they're they've got a structure that going, you know, taking that bar to their chest is going to potentially mess their shoulders up over time. You're dealing with, and and this is where like active range, passive range, like I said active range would be the range they have control over if the, the, the nervous system has control over, which might not be full range of motion according to a powerlifting coach, but according to that person's human body, their nervous system, that's the range that their muscles want to work in in that movement. Respect it. If you, if you violate that, you go into a range that categorically your nervous system doesn't have as much control over. Your risk of injury goes up, things like that. So I think when you're, if you're, and that's like when I used, I don't PT anymore. Um, I just online coach, but you know, James PTs, James who works for us, Ryan who works for us PTs still, and you know, everything they do with clients, they'll be getting, they'll be making sure that that client is in complete control at all points. And I think that applies to 
anyone who's trying to build muscle, you know, build strength, build muscle, whatever it is, bikini girls in particular, <laughs> well, in particular, bikini girls included, um, make sure that you're always in control of what you're doing. Because if you're not, and that weight's in control, then you're going to, that's going to bite you in the arse in the, down the line. <sighs> is that technically the same as like tempo, I guess? Like when yeah, yeah. I mean, tempo is a way of instilling control. It's not like, just to, because to, to, you can you can be explosive like on a on a concentric contraction. So on the part of the lift that you're, you know, the, not the lowering portion but the lifting portion, you can be pretty explosive and still be in control. Um, and that's where it comes down to machines and, and like even with free weights and stuff like that. But um, tem- and tempos, but tempos like the easiest way to get people to instill control into what they're doing slow down points of lift pause at each end are you able to you, know, you tell someone okay you know you can lift such and such can you pause at each end of the lift if i said to you stop at any point would you be able to on on command or would you be kind of unable to because it's too heavy or do you not have the control stop it and there's points where if you're working with someone who's really on it you might want to go to a point where like going to a point where you might not, you, know, you lose a little bit of control isn't the end of the world, but you've got to have everything else set up around that pretty well to achieve that. Mm. Um, but I think as a general, I don't like giving general rules of thumb for exercise because it's such an individual thing. But as a general rule of thumb, always being in control is pretty damn good. You're, ne- you're rarely going to go wrong with that. There's, there's, you see a lot of... Um, competitors doing i guess like high reps in comparison to low reps and not on um pro. you see people like kind of rush the high reps quite a lot yeah um do you find that your central nervous system gets taxed more or less depending on how many reps you're doing how how control controlled you can be with like the movements as well i think the the to be fair i need to actually really brush up on that research but i'm 95 percent sure that the fatigue that will no no i'm close to 100 percent sure the fatigue that will accrue within the nervous system so there's different types of fatigue in terms of like central fatigue and peripheral fatigue so like peripheral fatigue is the fatigue you'll get within muscles everything that's peripheral to the central nervous system outside of that the peripheral nervous system like that and then the central nervous system is like the when people get really fucking overtrained and they start feeling lethargic and like like brain doesn't function as well as they could because they're so overtrained that's the sign of central fatigue you get that seems to be a product of people going to like pushing their body to like failure very regularly and getting to the point where the neuromuscular system is having to do a shit of a, you know a lot of work um which might you could achieve that in any way you could achieve that doing high reps and fast reps yeah you know, high number of reps and doing them fast and low number of reps and doing them slow it's all down to how close how, how taxing that work is how far you push it um so i think that's ultimately it's down to how how close people go to failure how regularly they go to failure and how in how poor their recovery is Mm. or how much they stretch their recovery demands right yeah 
Do you change your training program even for yourself or for your clients, depending on whether you're in a fat loss phase or whether you're in like where bulking, but like a gaining? There's there's things I'll change like often. Like I well, I change plans when I need to, and when so like there's there's reason the only reasons I train change plans were if. I, we really we really need to based on recovery markers and all this stuff and they're maybe not recovering well or or circumstances change in their week where they've got a where we can increase frequency or decrease frequency or stuff like that um or if, or preference if someone's just like on board i want a new plan i'm like okay cool if if it's if it's been a long enough time if it's been like a few weeks i'm like man up and carry on or we'll, we'll change something because obviously you're not enjoying something and being able to enjoy what you're doing is pretty important um um but in terms of like specific to goals yes and no um i think the the priority like i would never i i never never is a strong word but i rarely would make someone's training fat loss focused because there's so many things we do that are devoted to losing fat tissue and potentially compromising muscle tissue as well in the form of calorie restriction um cardiovascular work things like that cardiovascular work isn't going to compromise muscle tissue but just the fact of increasing energy expenditure will if you then make sure try and do everything possible within your training sessions to also maximize fat loss you're not leaving a lot left over to try and retain muscle tissue that you've got and that you built and you want to maintain so i think there's always for me there's always an element on the 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 work in the gym with regards to resistance training is always going to be kind of hypertrophy focused because even if someone's trying to lose body fat i want to keep putting the stimulus there for their body to retain tissue um but the there'll be things i'll change in terms of maybe the the types of contractions i'll getting them spending more times on on certain things so we know if we compare like concentric contractions to isometrics to to eccentric contractions concentric contractions use far more energy relative to the other two um so if we're looking for to go okay i've, I've got to find ways of upregulating someone's energy expenditure like how can i get them to essentially use more energy but maybe not actually increase the number of reps and sets i can get them to slow down the work like the concentric part so that's where changing tempos is big and then similarly if someone's like i want to try and you know drive muscle damage and do all this stuff like you can still get muscle damage from doing isometrics and concentric work only but eccentrics are going to improve that and there's like a mechanism obviously that of hypertrophy that's related to muscle damage it's not necessarily the most efficient because it's going to impact performance and things like that but it's not a bad thing to do every now and then but so but also you know eccentric contractions use the least amount of energy so if you want someone to be as energy efficient as possible and essentially not be kind of not use as much energy because essentially the more energy that you don't use within sessions is potential. There's no evidence for this, but potentially there's more, more energy left over to drive processes of hypertrophy, which are themselves very energy costly. So right. if someone's in a, in a hypertrophy phase, maybe spend more time on, on these central contractions If someone's in a, a fat loss phase keep the eccentric contractions in and maybe on a few movements every now and then really accentuate the concentric work and maybe throw some isometrics in because they're also pretty um energy costly as well they're more energy costly than eccentric so again if you're looking at i want to try and strip off as much fat without putting too much work in this person's week 
using things like that works pretty well. Like concentrics are also far less, far easier to recover from than eccentric work. So if you're in a prep and you're like, oh, I've got to prioritize recovery a little bit, giving people a little bit more concentric focus work to do could help with that as well. I'm really sorry. Can you explain the concentric and the eccentric for me? So concentric contraction, I should, I should have explained that, is, is literally the, the lifting part. So as a muscle shortens, so if you're doing like a bicep curl, the concentric contraction is the lifting part where the bicep's shortening. And an eccentric would be lengthening, so lowering the weight. Okay. So, that's, so, so basically getting, getting people to spend longer on the parts of lifts where they're actually lifting the weight as opposed to lowering it. Okay. Um, and it is simple, like, like they've shown that in research that concentrics use more energy. And it's, if people want to know why, it'd be a case of if you've got a lift like, let's say you're lifting or bench pressing 60 kilos and, and you know, you're doing it in a really controlled way, you've got to come up with more force than more than 60 kilos of force to lift the 60 kilos. And if you want to lower it, you've got to come up with less than 60 kilos of force just in a controlled way. So categorically, you're going to be having to do less work on an eccentric than a concentric in that scenario because you're not having to produce as much force. You know what I mean? Yeah, sorry. Just, it's just it's funny. When I first started lifting, I would, I literally just lift. Like, just yeah, well, that's the thing. People don't, people don't consider it. But then again, it comes down to what are you trying to do? Are you trying to maximize hypertrophy, fat loss, whatever it is. Are you trying, you know, if you're, like I spoke about earlier, you want to be cognizant of joint forces and, and making sure that that weight isn't essentially getting control of you and taking you into ranges you don't want to go into. It pays to control everything you do. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of people that they try and be as explosive as possible. So they're like, oh, I, I know, you know, I should do really slow eccentrics and be really explosive on concentric so the lifting part because that's been that's what everyone says to do if i want like maximum muscle recruitment like maximum motor unit recruitment things like that we know that you can achieve the same level of like if i did like like if i went on i got 100 kilos on a bench press lowered it down slowly and then exploded up really fast yes i would recruit higher threshold motor units which are basically the bigger motor units within the nervous system that are going to recruit bigger muscle fibers straight away mm. and my force production is going to be higher that's 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 going to happen and in terms of capacity for hypertrophy that phenotype of muscle fiber they're going to be easier to hypertrophy than the smaller guys so yes that might not be a bad idea for hypertrophy but you can achieve that same level of motor unit recruitment by doing stuff really slowly as well because it comes down to fatigue ultimately like if you took a you know if, if i wanted to get someone to recruit their highest threshold motor units and therefore like the biggest muscle fibers available within that tissue i could get that by getting them to do a really slow move you know, a movement really slowly but do it for longer to the point where they're really fucking fatigued and the nervous system has to cool on that that those motor units eventually anyway so that people are worried that oh but i won't re recruit as much muscle tissue and recruit as much motor unit as many motor units doing slower concentric work and things like that you will you just got to push it to the right level of fatigue mm. so how does that work in regards to a deadlift and you know i never get deadlift <laughs> yeah well there's there's movements where i wouldn't necessarily worry about it like deadlifts i would say that's a movement where you want quite a lot of motor unit recruitment straight out the gate 
you want to be able to do it in a coordinated manner and do it well. But I would, I would say with that one, I wouldn't worry about going slowly. I would kind of, I would have control on the way down and all that stuff, but I would probably be as explosive as you can be on the way up. Okay. Because if you go really slow, it's also like you're, 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 you're putting a lot of work <laughs> on all the guys on the spine that have to maintain spinal position as you go through the, the movement. So the guy, you know, all the spinal erectors that have to kind of maintain that neutral spine are going to get pretty tired compared to what they might not have to do if you were to lift it more right. aggressively. Yeah. Okay, cool. There's one more question. Well, two more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, the big one, because this is something that we've spoken about, um, is. I guess motivation with training. Um, sometimes it isn't always there. I, I think it can be, and I found this personally. It can be quite. I don't know. Sometimes you see it. I need to on it. People feel like they're really smashing their sessions, and sometimes you just get those days where, every, like, you're just not in the right frame of mind, and yeah. motivation's just flunked. Like, what's your kind of? advice for people who potentially are in that situation whether they are potentially falling out in love with training or they're struggling with motivation um what sort of things like say a client was coming to you and they were saying that like what sort of advice would you give them i would say there's much there's a cool there's we there's a cool scientific thing here like a geeky thing that people like if I don't know your audience might like it they might be like shut up mate you've said enough geeky shit <laughs> I'll say it in a sec but the, 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 the best thing people can do is do things they enjoy um, and that and that's there, there's no and th- this is this is a very true statement some people will disagree with this but if they do they're idiots to be fair there's no single movement that anyone has to do like there's no there's no magic associated with squatting deadlifting bench pressing that people say there's there's all we're dealing with is um well, essentially the stimulus is what we're going for and you can achieve you know, the stimulus of stimulating your quads stimulating your glutes stimulating your hamstrings whatever through many different means that that aren't specific to a particular movement so there's no movement that anyone has to do and that's where things fall down because they get movements pushed on them they're like oh i've been told i have to squat i've mm-hmm. been told i have to deadlift oh, i've been told i I can't do X movement because it's not very good for this or that and stuff like that. And admittedly, if someone's like, I want to get really big quads, but I, I want to do glute kickbacks. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, that might not be the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but you know what I mean? But like in, in terms of like, you know, that, that's, that's being really pedantic. Like there is no movement that anyone has to do. Even if someone was like, I want to, maximize my hypertrophy of my glutes but i really fucking hate deadlifting and rdla you don't have to deadlift an rdl even though they're really good movements for doing that they, they stimulate those tissues in a pretty nice way you don't need to do it there's other ways you can you can achieve that and ultimately you need, you need to enjoy what you're doing so if you've been if you're someone who's been like you're not really enjoying training you've been told that you have to do a particular movement because your coach has said it and they know best and you you can't they won't give you any more information there other than because it's the best movement for quads or because it's the best movement for glutes. There is no best movement. So do what you enjoy. And that's where we obviously try and find something that also aligns with your goals. If you want to 
get pretty decent quads and you hate every quad movement, then you're probably going to have an issue. Yeah. You know I mean? um, but the, um, like when we give if people that have worked with us, work with us that have seen our, our consultation forms, there's a bit in our, in the training section that says, what are the movements that you enjoy the most? And what are the movements that or like you enjoy the most and connect with the most? And what are the movements that you really dislike, hate, or don't connect with at all? The movements that people enjoy, they're always going to be in. And the movements that people don't enjoy, unless it's like, just like, uh, you know, unless it's a pretty invalid reason, if it, then they'll probably never be in. Because mm. there's, and, and it's, this is the geeky bit. Like there's a thing, called bdnf which is brain brain derived neurotrophic factor um and it's this hormone that's produced by muscles so muscles do produce hormones it's mm -hmm. one of the one of the hormones that's produced by muscles when we train mm -hmm. and it's it, it originally it was brain derived hence the name so they only found it in the brain and then they were like shit this it's being released in muscles as well they, and they, and they were like, well we we've already named it so <laughs> they basically kept the name and um and they, but this thing basically does some crazy cool stuff in the nervous system in terms of like it regenerates neurons, really neuroprotective. It helps with learning motor patterns and stuff. So when it comes to learning skills within the gym, learning movements, learning things like to deadlift and stuff, this guy plays a key role. Um, but all the positive effects that you get from BDNF have been shown to be negated if you're not enjoying the exercise you're doing. Um, really? it's pretty big yeah so basically yeah so people need to enjoy what they're doing and if they don't then they're, they're already so they're, they'll still you know I say all the positive effects a, a pretty damn big percentage of it so so they're basically not going to get as much out of what they you know what they could they're not going to get as much out of their training as they could were they to include exercises that they enjoyed um, I hear that so, a lot. Um, sorry, but I hear that a lot with girls having a training plan, and they don't like certain things, and they go to yeah. the coach, and yeah. they just kind of, obviously it's online coaching, but like they kind of shrug their shoulders up metaphorically and go, yeah. like, yeah. and that's really hard because then, well, it, I guess this could be for any competitor, but they're in a situation where they really don't like what they're doing, but then they have this like, I guess Jekyll and Hyde situation. It's like. I've got to do it. It's what my coach has done. Like it's what yeah. coach told me. So, Jimmy, that can be quite. Yeah. Quite um, yeah, and, and loyalty to a coach might, you know, is going to be a big thing. It's like, oh, but my coach has said, and I'll do what my coach says and stuff like that. But you don't need to do it if you don't enjoy it. That you, if you, if you work, this is where like it's cool to understand things like exercise mechanics because if someone comes to you and they're like, I fucking hate doing that movement, and you're like, okay, sweet. They hate doing RDLs. How can I? How can I, what other movements do I know stimulate the glutes in the same way you can piece together things based on force, you know, your understanding of forces and what other movements you have available and all the stuff in it. It opens the doors up. That's the problem that there's a lot of coaches that don't have that knowledge, which is a, why we teach it, but also, um, it's, it's very, you know, how many coaches out there, the, the main reason a lot of coaches won't change plans is because they don't have many plans. They have kind of set plans that everyone's on, aren't they? They're like, yeah, this is the training plan that 90% of my clients do. And then someone's like, I don't like it. They're like, well, tough shit. I don't really have any others. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. like, 
you yeah. hear this, this girls like comparing fans are like oh my god this is actually like and yeah. sometimes like it has to, like you know, you're a bikini competitor you want decent shoulders most of the time and um glutes so that there might be a more emphasis but when it's like so carbon copy that's when it's like yeah. right. but it's not personal yeah and, and i think i think there's a because it's it's online coaching it's not personal training but it's it's still hard i think it should still be personal and i, I can say to this date i know joe's the same um i've never given someone the same plan um i think that's just terrible it's not it's not personal in any way i think it should be personalized but it's like the 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 and there's there's too many people out there that will um but it, but it's also the case that everyone has different things they enjoy different different kit available different goals you know different tolerances to certain exercises you know everything's got to be different um but it's easy you know and it's the thing when people are dealing with lots of clients and stuff like that it's very easy for them to be like oh fuck it i'll just give them so-and-so's program because it works for them yeah and so oh nice one it's a lot more complicated than what yeah does, I think. That, that's the thing is like it requires more work you know it's, it's not it's not the most amazing thing like i've done it sometimes where i've sent people a plan you know but and then we've like talked it through i've like sent it to them and and we've jumped on a call to discuss it and they've been like yeah well i'm not that happy about this movement and i'm not that confident with this and i'm like I have to pretty much change the whole thing. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a lot of work and like rejigging all that stuff. But that's I think that's part of if you if you're providing a good level of service, good level of coaching and stuff like that, you've got to be prepared to put that effort in. Yeah. Um, so, and I think and ultimately, you know, like I say, if you want the best results with people that you're working with and stuff like that, giving them exercise that they enjoy is going to be one of the easiest ways to do that to maximize your chances of getting that. Because yeah, I guess that's all effort in as well, because they enjoy yeah. it. It all yeah. pays well. Yeah. Um, which is huge. Um, and it's the thing of like, if I, I've, I've, one of the things I ask my clients in every check in is, are they, I was like, are you enjoying, or have you enjoyed all your sessions this week? And if they like, and if they're like, yeah, I'm not really enjoying lower one, or I'm not really enjoying my push session, or something like that, I'm like, okay, interesting. And then we'll talk it through, and I'll be like, okay. It's, it might be because of this movement. It might be because the volume's too high. But then change stuff. Like people, people don't do that. But one thing think, you oh, me—that's yeah. why that was interesting. Um, so basically, I actually, I'm just going to be really honest. So I did a training session, um, and I just really just got in a, I got a really really bad. I don't know what it was. I just was not feeling it, and I got really really upset. And I remember actually talking to you about it, and I was like, I don't know what I should be doing. Like I felt so wrong, didn't I? Like I was just yeah. really, really stressful. And one thing you mentioned to me, which I still haven't tried it, but I am actually looking forward to trying it. Um hopefully I'll go to Birmingham is different gym environment. That's one thing that I never ever thought of even considering as yeah. is the gym environment helping you like with like it yeah. helping you enjoy with your training. And like that's it's all there's so many different factors um which I think you've You've introduced to me quite a lot, um, especially this year. It isn't just as clean cut and black and white. Sometimes there are so many different things that you you feel you've kind of you've tried every single avenue. Yeah. You ask Luke and he's like, "Have you tried this?" I'm like, "Fuck no." Um, <laughs> but yeah, then, just, yeah. those little things you really made me be a bit more, I guess, aware of. Um, yeah. I had, a, I had a client who had that issue where, but he did. It didn't become an issue, an apparent issue to me or him for a while. But he, he basically, you know, he's always kind of 
ticking along and I just was like, this doesn't seem the happiest guy, doesn't seem to be getting the most out of sessions and stuff like that. And then it came up in one of our check-ins and, and I was like, you know, how's, what's the, you know, we were talking about his gym and he was like, and he mentioned something about the atmosphere and I was like, okay, what was it? And he basically turned out, he didn't like a lot of the people there and stuff like that. And I was like, and it, and it I was like, well, you know, I went on his, like, and looked at gyms in his area and there was a pretty good gym not that far away and I was like you know why don't you try going over to that gym and he swapped gyms and he was like dude he was like the kit's maybe not as good but mate the atmosphere is so much better the people are so much nicer I'm actually enjoying like it's a pleasure to actually go to the gym and I was like fucking hell I was like you know how many people just kind of put up with their gym because it's got maybe got a really you know some good kit or something like that, but the people are dickheads and the music shit and the atmosphere. You know, it's really dark and dingy and stuff like that, and it's not a very nice atmosphere to go to, especially when you're like, if you're someone who has a nine to five job and you're at the end of your day and you go into it and you're like, oh for fuck's sake, I'm going to go into this absolute shit hole of a gym. Whereas if you go somewhere that you're like, I'm actually excited to go there and the people there are cool and I can chat to people, then you're probably going to get a better session. In. Yeah, definitely. But no, thank you for. Um yeah, you have helped me a lot this year. So, um, yeah. My pleasure. My you're, pleasure. Um, okay, so last, okay, so last question. <laughs> I've kind of asked you this anyway, but it's how I end every single podcast. Um, what makes you, Luke, not just a bikini girl? <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't I, know I, I, I'm just sitting here like, yeah. Question. What makes me not just a bikini girl? Fuck you know. Um, well, I do look good in a bikini for one. So, <laughs> no. Um, uh, that's it. What in terms of well, is the the paraphrased question? What makes me different? I guess so. Yeah. I love cats. That is very different. That's, um, yeah, that's no. I like cats and TV shows, films. No, no. I think I think like what makes me not bikini girl. I like to take every person I work with as an individual, um, look at situations in different ways to other people, and I like cats. How many cats have you got, by the way? We've only got one, but she's, uh, we, we did have more, but they've kind of died off over the years, and we've got a very special one at the moment, and she doesn't need any other company. We tried a couple of times to get like smaller cats in, like a little kitten in, and she didn't really respond that well, so we are like, okay, no worries. Aww. Um, but, what are you doing with a cat when you go on holiday? Um, oh, we get house sitters coming. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, do you know what? You would obviously you've stayed with us before, but I feel like I don't know, ever since you've stayed here, the cats just they come into our house now. They love us, <laughs> and I keep hearing cat. You know, cat fights are the scariest thing you'll ever ever hear in your life. They they are vicious. Yeah, like, they are pretty scary. vicious. But um, yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Right, we'll end it there. But thank you so, so much for coming on, Luke. Um, My pleasure. I hope this has been insightful and very, very interesting for a lot of you who are listening. Please do go and follow Luke, ask him questions, get involved with the seminars. Um, yeah, their podcast as well is just like next level. Oh, uh, thank you. It's wicked. It's wicked. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't understand some of it sometimes, but I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah, where, where is it a good thing? I mean, maybe that means we need to get better at communicating. But the, no, um, do you know what? I think it's just me. Um, and I, I, if I don't understand something, it's kind of like a good, for me, it's a good sign. Because I'm right, it's something that I, ha- I don't know. And I need to, okay, cool. like, if you're saying it, then I need to know about it. For some yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we do need to get more consistent with it. We basically go through phases where we kind of, 
do a load and then we'll kind of tail off. And like Cal's been in prep, which is one of the reasons. So my, um, well, me and Ryan, our, our man Ryan are going to kind of, when I'm back from holiday, we're going to do a few together, which would be cool. Um, it is hard, but, but people think, um, I don't, oh, well, they might not, but podcasting is a lot harder um, in terms of mm. when you are busy. Like I go yeah. through exactly the same thing. Um, and I guess I only want to do a podcast if I really am passionate about it and I really want to do the episode. I don't ever want to put an episode yeah. up just because I get to next week and go, oh, yeah. like, I haven't done one. I've got to do one. Like that's not kind of why I want to. Yeah. Do it? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yourselves as well. It's like you want to be. Do we don't just be putting out anything? Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, for sure. Only quality. Quality, not quantity, right? That's very true. We'll right, yeah. guys. We'll leave it there. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. And thank you always for supporting and listening to it. But yeah, catch up with you guys soon.